Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode 42 and today we're going to be talking about 0.86 and getting to know Lovelace with Zach. And joining me as usual, we've got Phil. Hey Phil. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Very good, thank you. Awesome. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily connect to Google and Amazon Voice Assistants for a small monthly fee that also supports the Home Assistant project. Configurations via the user interface so there's no fiddling with router settings, dynamic DNS, or any YAML. Uh, so Lovelace is finally here, and a bit later on we'll have Zach to talk all about that. But before we get into that, uh, I think I don't really want to make this uh, a theme for the podcast this year, but Rahan, do you think we need to talk about Nest? Yeah, yeah. This is this is becoming a bit of a, a whiny <laughs> kind of thing, but... <laughs> But but I, I think I think it warrants being called out. So something that we noticed on Twitter, as as you know, exactly where everybody gets their reliable news. Uh, <laughs> but we we did notice that uh, Nest is not accepting any new developer accounts. If you're familiar with the ecosystem, it's a smart smoke detector, uh, which I actually personally use, um, and they have thermostats and so on and so forth, cameras and such. They're not accepting any developer applications, which basically means that users can't get access to the API. So a lot of products used to use, or, or a lot of projects use the APIs, like Home Assistant, which needs your their API keys to, you know, do things like call, make calls to your thermostat, or make calls from your smoke detectors and such. So, so this you know, might be might be a bit of a problem for some people. So Home Assistant actually tweeted about this from their Twitter account saying, you know, hey, what's up, Nest? Is this true? And they actually had a, a response saying that they're currently restructuring their developer program and they're no longer accepting new developers to the program or performing any uh, reviews and certifications, yada, 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 which I think we all know is corporate jargon for we're probably going to get rid of this in the future, so yeah, stop. Just yeah, yeah, just don't. I think, don't do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's. I'm 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 hoping that that's not the case, right? Like, um, a p- part of me, you know, every part of me wants to say, like, hey, you know, that's it. They want to get rid of it or whatever. But a big part of me is like, well, you know, I'm really hoping this actually is a, hey, let's restructure our developer access and our APIs and things like that. And and I don't know why they would want to remove it, um, especially so Nest uh, Nest was bought by Google, right, in 2014. Uh, they paid, what, $3.2 billion for it. So mm. I, I can kind of see a company doing this, but at the same time, um, I feel like Google, Google would do better. So a part of me is hopeful, but... Um, but again, every, every other part of me is like, yeah, okay, do I just come to terms with the reality, right? And Well, so the, you say Google would do better, but uh, the cynic in me says this is what Google does. I'm uh, still using Google Inbox right now, and I have two months to move back to Gmail because Google's shutting down Inbox. Everyone yeah. remembers, you know, Google is famous for just killing off things, and it's one of the reasons I have try to avoid uh, getting a Google Home because I just don't trust that Google will commit to the product. Yeah. Well, they just killed the Chromecast audio as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, exactly right. Chromecast Audio, which is very popular with um, home automation users because it's a great way to get text-to-speech around your house, is now there's another product that's just gone. So being a an Alphabet slash Google company, you know, maybe this is Nest either going to come out with a new API which their current products won't support. You know, this is just a cynic in me saying, is this right. how it's going to work? And, you know, forcing users, you know, you, you Rohan, just said you've got a, a Nest thermostat. So does that mean that if Nest do change their API that you'll need to go out and buy a new thermostat to work with that API? So then you can get, you know, uh, like third parties like Home Assistant and other platforms to be able to control your thermostat because it needs that new version. You know, it's a bit... Yeah, like, like, it's, it's a tough one, right? Like, well, for, for it's, it's funny because for me, it's... So I, I actually have an Equibee thermostat, right? But I use Nest for, uh, uh, yes, for, yes. for the smoke detectors and such. Yeah. But which has kind of always been that, like, um, you know, the, that forgotten thing from Nest, right? Because anybody talks yeah. about Nest, they go... Oh, the thermostat? No, not the thermostat. Oh, the cameras? No, not the cameras. They have other <laughs> things, right? And and so so so. I mean, my experience with Nest has always been that, anyways, personally. Yeah. But uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's. I don't know. It's 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 a tough one because now you know. Last last episode we talked about uh, over the holidays, Logitech. Um, yeah, and what they did and. You know, it turns out that they did, they ended up doing the right thing, whether for better or for worse, or, you know, say, say what you want about it or have whatever opinion you want about it. But, you know, this, this, I don't know, I, I just got really frustrated when I saw that tweet from, from Home Assistant, because I'm like, man, this can't, why, why is this happening again? It's been two weeks, like, yeah, like, or, or, you know, whatever, a month or whatever it is. And, you know, is this, is this the next thing? And, and, you know, this is how I'm starting off my ear. So is this going to be the theme for 2019 for home automation, right? Is, like, hey, this next? Right. Yeah. This cloud hosted service now cans their thing. And, and then again, a lot of people have very strong opinions about, you know, Hey, I'm not going to go with a cloud hosted service for this exact reason. And, you know, can you, can you blame them? Probably mm-hmm. not for this, for this thing. Like, I mean, there's a whole like, Hey, privacy and, all that stuff with, I mean, Google's, <laughs> Google's fighting their own fires for that, but <laughs> there's, there's, but this is also the case, right? So, you know, and, and personally, this is part of the reason why I tried to move away from smart things and on a home assistant. And, uh, you know, that was a couple of years ago now, but that's the, that's one of the big motivations for me, right? And that's, yeah, I just, I don't want to have to keep doing this. It just gets frustrating but yeah this isn't meant to be a depressing podcast ladies so but there if if there's a bit of a silver lining uh reddit user chief uh spelt with a three 117 on reddit says that you can still register for a developer account with nest it seems they've got a notice like just a message up on their website that they're not accepting applications but apparently the registration form still works so if you have just got yourself a nest product and you need to go and register a developer account to integrate it with home assistant um just yet yeah, don't be too afraid just try and uh, register that account first see if they are still accepting it even though they're not saying they're accepting it yeah and and if that's the case do it now before they shut it down yes <laughs> like actually exactly. shut it down so 
Uh, Did you yeah. register a, a developer account to get your farm smoke detectors? Nah, with the your honest assistant? answer is I, I, I actually don't remember. Uh, it was so long ago. This is mm. when I moved into my house that that was actually one of the first things that I got because I was traveling a lot at the time yeah. and, and I was living alone. So at the time as well. So I, you know, I wanted from a, from a security perspective, like, Hey, you know, if something's going on at home, at least, you know, I'll get an alert and, you know, at least even nothing. Like if I'm in the U.S. or something, call 911 and say, hey, listen, I'm from, you know, Toronto, Canada. Uh, yeah. My, my, house my, house, my house is on fire <laughs> or whatever, right? Like, I mean, I, I always prayed that it never, I never had to use those smoke detectors. But and and, and my uh, my house has uh, ceilings that are a touch higher and to the point where it's just inconvenient enough that. I can't reach my smoke detector with a chair. <laughs> so oh, no. the, the, the Nest has a great remote silence function, right? Through the, through your, through their app. So, but so, so it's been so long. So I, I honestly, I, I think I probably did it, but I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> well, if it ever stops randomly working one day soon, you, you know might. why? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but onto some happier news. And yes. I think uh, when we we're talking about Logitech in the last episode, we also mentioned how Philips Hue were pretty good, uh, how they responded uh, during that whole fiasco. And something I noticed over the December break uh, was that Philips Hue have added a new feature to their smart bulbs, which I think is worthy of a, just a mention here for anyone that does own a Philips Hue and doesn't know about this. So owners of a Philips Hue smart bulb can now have the ability to customize what happens when power is restored to a light bulb. Ah, perfect. So that means if you lose power, it's not going to come out 100%, exactly. you know, full, whatever, when the power comes yeah. back on. Which has been a, a lot of uh, people that, uh, a bit of an, a negative side to Philips Hue that always mention, you know, if the power goes out at 3 a.m., your lights are going to come on <laughs> at 100% brightness as soon as the power comes back, which, which is true. And uh, yeah. Philips have finally addressed that, and now you can either choose to have the light bulb uh, just stay off, or you can have it uh, come on a certain color or a certain brightness or whatever. The only downside of it is that you can't have it remember its previous state. So if the light was on purple and you lose power, it will turn on and it will then go to that default setting that you set. It won't remember its previous state. Right, right. Hopefully, hopefully that's something in a future generation of Philips Hue bulbs that they can, you know, have some kind of logic to, you know, have a capacitor yeah. or something in there to say, hey, you know what, uh, hold a little bit of extra power so I can dump, you know, color and brightness or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because once it loses power, it'll have no ability to save it somewhere. Yeah. Exactly. And then just, you know, just a little bit. But yeah, so that's that's awesome. So and and from what it sounds like, if you use uh, Zigbee to MQTT, you can also uh, you can also take advantage of that. So that's which is which is fantastic. Um, and then we'll leave a link yeah. uh, in the show notes for, uh, you know, where 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 to look for that uh, information. All right, zero point eight six. Yeah. So oh uh, eight six. So this is interesting. So there's a couple of new. Uh, New features. Uh, there's one massive new feature, which we'll we'll talk about afterwards with Zach. Yeah, so let's get right into it. So uh, there's a new Zigbee control panel. So if you're using uh, the Zigbee home automation component, you can get this new panel. And basically with that, you can uh, do things like add new entities, uh, cluster commands, so on and so forth. So that's, uh, that's kind of nice. 
Yeah, that's good for anyone that's using their own, like, uh, Zigbee radio plugged in. I think there's a, in the US, there's a popular one that has a Z-Wave and a Zigbee chip on the one USB. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're using that, you will really appreciate this control panel. Yeah, exactly. So, that'll be kind of cool. HomeKit's got a bit of love in this release. And the first one is the HomeKit alarm panel support. So, HomeKit security system. So, if you have a, a security system that in- integrates with Apple's HomeKit, uh, it will now appear as an alarm control panel in Home Assistant. Very cool. And similarly, locks and covers. Um, you can now uh, control a lot of the HomeKit connected locks and covers for like things like curtains, garage doors, and such in Home Assistant as well. So, some breaking changes as well. Uh, yeah, so there's big changes to the time triggers for automations. So this one's probably going to affect a lot of users. It's definitely going to affect me. To better support the time triggers in the front-end automation editor, the time triggers for automations are going to be changing very slightly. So if you wanted to trigger an automation, say, every 10 minutes, you would specify the platform as time, and then you would uh, set your... Uh, have an at minutes slash 10 for every 10 minutes. Uh, From 0.86, you will now need to move those sort of automations where you want things to happen like every X minutes, every X hours to a new platform called time underscore pattern. And then you'll need to do things uh, for every 10 minutes. You would now have the time underscore pattern as a platform and then specify the uh, pattern, which will be minutes 10. Right. Uh, there's obviously going to be code samples and all that on the blog post, but you will need to go through, just make sure you update all your automations. As, yeah, when you restart, it may not work with if you're using the uh, platform time still. Yeah. So also, uh, Locative and uh, GPS Logger are now separate components. Um, so they've uh, been upgraded, the components themselves have been upgraded to use webhooks. So uh, if you use those, you'll find that there are some changes. So have a look at the actual uh, Home Assistant uh, website for how to do that. And if you're using a Roku media player, which I am, the Roku component has uh, had a few enhancements done to it. So the first one is it's actually its own component now. It used to be part of the media player platform where you would have to specify media player and then platform Roku. You can now set it up using uh, just setting it up as its own component, so Roku. And when you do that, it will automatically add the applicable media player that you already had previously. Mm-hmm. And it's also going to add the new Roku uh, remote ability, which is basically very similar to how a Logitech Harmony remote would work. You can now have Home Assistant press buttons uh, on your Roku. I think there's a few limited buttons like up, down, volume mute and all that. It's a full list in the new Roku component page, but that's a really cool addition. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I actually accidentally found this. Um, so I was playing around with Home Assistant and, and I didn't realize they were using the Roku uh, remote component already. And because uh, so, at some point I realized, hey, my Roku is not on, <laughs> not on anything. <laughs> and I, I got a Roku stick like I, I don't even remember. Not that long ago, probably about, you know, I think it was like Black Friday time or something like that. And uh, yeah. I was like, huh, I forgot I could do that. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, one idea I'm, I'm really excited for is currently I have the Amazon Echo. When the timer goes off, it will send a webhook through the Home Assistant Cloud 
to Home Assistant to say, hey, uh, the timer's just completed, and then Home Assistant will flash some lights around the house. I also have a rule that oh. if the Roku is set, uh, is has the Plex app open, and the Plex uh, player is playing, it will then just pause that on Plex. Now, the problem is, uh, so that means once the timer goes off, the TV automatically pauses. Now, the problem with that is it only works for Plex because it can only send the pause command to Plex. Right. But with this new remote component, I'll now have the ability to pause whatever's on Roku. Right. Netflix so if, or exactly, Amazon, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, this is going to be a great little enhancement. Oh, that's true. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never even thought of that. So, um, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, and we just got a, a, a ring doorbell at home too. So, now I can have yeah. when the doorbell gets stinged, press the pause button on the Roku. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you have the ding. Uh, <laughs> it's literally called ding. Uh, the last yeah, I think it's, whatever. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. It's a binary it's sensor in home resistance. And as soon as that goes to on, you know, someone's at your front door. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Also, uh, there's now support for multiple Fibaro gateways. Um, so what that means is you basically have to specify a list of gateways, uh, even if you only have one. So a little bit of progress there, but again, it is a breaking change. If you are using the Open UV sensor to get UV reports, uh, from February 1st, Open UV will reduce the number of API calls you can make to just 50 per day. And that's if you're on their free tier. Uh, so because of that, they've, Home Assistant's made a few changes to the OpenUV component and a new service has been added to Home Assistant called OpenUV update underscore data, which you must call to fetch new data from OpenUV. So that means OpenUV won't automatically update unless Home Assistant is restarted. Uh, so you, that will mean you'll have to create an automation to call the OpenUV uh, update data service and then you can choose how frequent you want that data to update. Maybe you want it to update once every hour, maybe twice an hour, whatever works for you. This way, if OpenUV decide, you know, 50 is too much, we're going to cut it down to 25, you have the ability to customize that in your automations. Right. Some other uh, noteworthy updates. Um, so if you have MQTT vacuums, they're now actually supported on auto discovery. So that's actually very cool. Um, yeah. I don't have one, but now I kind of wish I did. <laughs> uh, and Thomas Lovin has actually done a little great little feature, uh, especially for Lovelace. You can now specify icons that aren't just from material design icons. So if you're familiar with Home Assistant, you can use a whole bunch of icons from material design icons. And now, thanks to this little pull request, uh, Home Assistant can now have uh, custom icon fonts. And the first one uh, Thomas has brought out is the very popular Font Awesome. So if you want to use Font Awesome icons in your Lovelace front end, now you can. So yeah, great feature there. That's awesome. Yeah. IKEA tad free lights uh, will now be marked as unavailable when uh, there's any communication errors. So if there's any problems, so on and so forth, it'll just flag it as it's unavailable, uh, which hopefully captures your attention and you can fix it. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. 
Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. And if you are using the fail to ban sensor that now supports IPv6 addresses as well. And uh, if you use uh, Arlo, the Arlo alarm panel can now set, uh, can be set to night mode. So that's kind of oh, interesting. I've seen a couple of people requesting that. So that's good to see. Yeah. Yeah. So now uh, let's talk about the big change uh, in this release. Lovelace is here and it's here to stay. <laughs> so yes. it, it's 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 interesting because we we've actually had to delay this part a couple of times. That's right. We're originally going to uh, we originally had Zach come out uh, early December. It was ready yeah. to go. Lovelace is here. We're we're going to fault, and then at the last minute, there's like oh, we're going on a break for a couple of weeks. So let's just hold off the release here. So yeah, hey Zach, how's it going? Hey guys. Today we're going to. Play the chat we had with Zach uh, back in December. Just keep in mind that there might be a couple of things and breaking changes that we're going to talk about, like the title and name. Uh, they've already happened. They Those breaking changes happened back in uh, 0.84. Mm-hmm. Uh, from 0.86, uh, Lovelace is now the default UI for Home Assistant. And if you haven't used Home Assistant uh, previously, uh, Home Assistant is now automatically going to create an interface for you. So, Zach, for a user who hasn't used Lovelace yet, what does that mean? Um, so, if you haven't touched Lovelace, Lovelace at all, um, and that means you haven't created your UI-Lovelace.yaml, then Home Assistant is going to automatically create your Lovelace UI just as the old states version did. So, um, it'll use our Lovelace cards that are integrated, and if you have a, let's say, a thermostat, then it's automatically going to add the thermostat card and put everything there for you. So this means that you don't have to go through the pain of setting everything up. It's kind of all there, and then you can edit it straight on that screen. So you can edit the one that we create for you, which makes it really nice because you don't have to go through all the pain of adding all your entities in and seeing what you have. Uh, it's just kind of always there. So, so I, I do right. believe that new users are really going to I love that feature. If a user is using Lovelace right now and they've got a, a UI Lovelace YAML file, there's been a lot of changes to the configuration options across all the cards, basically. is th- So is this going to affect a lot of existing users? Yeah, it is gonna, it's going to hit a lot of people. I, I made a lot of changes that are they'll make people mad but they're they're kind of what we needed to go um we needed to go there a long time ago but going out with lovelace as default i kind of wanted to get that done the aspect ratio on the map card is going to change it's going to conform to the other picture cards that we had that were both different and i didn't there's no need for to have two different ways to do something um so we we converted that one to be uh, the same overall so for the the alarm card, we used to have the title variable. Now it's the name variable because it's one entity. Right. That goes for the gauge card, the sensor card, and 
Um, all those, everything that has, every card that has only one entity is going to have a name. Everything that has more than one, let's say the glance, the entities, they'll have a title. So that, that kind of, that conforming, like forming all the cards to be that kind of is going to help new users, especially it's like, oh, name, title, what do I put here? Kind of thing. It's also going to help confusion overall. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of confusing to have one a title, one a name, one a name, one a title. You know, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. The, there's there's a lot of those, and uh, we're gonna have a big section of Lovelace breaking changes. Uh, you know, at, going over the editor and stuff like that, so that people will know all those breaking changes, and uh, they'll definitely see them in their Lovelace uh, config <laughs> when they all come up. So that that'll be a, a lot of yellow there. But uh, it, once. Once it gets over, I mean, Lovelace is default now, so I would expect less breaking changes. Uh, we have been doing a. There's been a lot of breaking changes over the last, you know, couple of releases. So that'll that'll definitely slow down uh, now that we've got all these all over with, just kind of pulled off the bandaid. That's it. So what happens to the old UI if someone if I upgrade to 0.84 and I haven't used Lovelace? Will Lovelace attempt to mimic my old user interface uh, the way I've set it up with group cards and all that, or is it going to be completely new? So states is still going to be there. It'll still be a thing. Um, it's just going to be toggled on and off, just kind of like Lovelace was before. Right. But it's going to take over as if you're using states, then it, it Lovelace will now be your default, and it'll create it for you. It doesn't use groups anymore. It just uses... Um, if you have lights, it's going to group every light into a card because we don't need groups anymore as we can just specify which entities you want in which card. Uh, so the groups file is kind of almost not necessary as we have like groups in the config and we have uh, other ways to right. grouping into our Lovelace cards. Right, right. Well, that makes sense. Can we, uh, from a views perspective, can we add, remove, edit all those from within the browser now? Is that the idea? Yes. So now we have, currently we have it so that you can edit views, you can delete views, and you can add views. You can add cards, you can edit anything about the card. Now um, there's there's more iterations coming. Uh, you can't do everything yet, and not everything has its own mm-hmm. UI. So let's say you go to the uh, media card right now. We don't have a UI built for that yet. Um, it's just a YAML editor. So any cards that don't already have that built out are just going to have the old YAML. Uh, you just had to put in the code for it. Um, so you never actually have to touch your YAML file in a text editor because it's all going to be on in the browser. Right. Okay. Okay. So does, and, and this includes custom cards and stuff as well, right? When we, when we're talking about editing and all that stuff. It can. So the, the custom cards will all automatically have the YAML editor. And as soon as you, as soon as you get in there, you'll be able to edit the custom cards uh, just, just as normal as if uh, one of the cards didn't, doesn't have the UI. But we, are, we did make it available so that the custom cards can actually build out their own UI just as we did the core. So if you Ooh. want to build out you know, a dropdown and front end for it, you can do that within your own card. And it'll render just as the cores do. Ah, that's okay. That's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So if I haven't used Lovelace before and I act, I boot up to zero point eight four and I'm presented with a new Lovelace UI, does that create the UI Lovelace YAML file that I can then just go in and edit? 
No. So that's that's something I really wanted to talk about is we had a lot of discussion, uh, a lot of discussion, and we've come to the to the point of if you're going to use the UI editors um, at all, then we are going to store your Lovelace config in the dot storage folder. So this means that you won't see it or you I mean, technically you can if you you have access, but it's not going to be in the in the UI Lovelace file. So if we detect that you are using the UI dash Lovelace.yaml file, then we're going to we're not going to give you the option for the the editor. This is this is for people who want to be able to still use their files and use includes and secrets and everything that they could beforehand. We're we're going to give you that option, and we have a lot of you know technical people that still want to do that. And this is kind of the best solution that we could give them is you lose the editor, but you get you get your includes and your secrets. Now, if you already have a UI Lovelace and you want to convert to the editor because you don't really care, uh, we're going to make it so that you can import your current Lovelace file into the editor uh, instance so that you can start using the editor and then that Lovelace file will disappear. Right. So it's basically, you know, you're either using the UI Lovelace YAML file yourself to edit to edit it, or you're doing everything online from the interface and editing it through there, which is then stored in the storage folder. Yes, yes. And we're still going over iterations and, and changing stuff. So anything anything that I do say today could change tomorrow, but this is kind of the direction that we're going. Yeah. Um, it's you know to give the technical users uh, the ability to still be technical. Yeah, that's 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 always a, a balancing act almost, right? It's it's you know, you don't want to lose the technical users from from a perspective of, hey, I can't do what I want to do, even though I know how to do it, versus you don't want it too technical either, especially for new new users and such. So, yeah, and that's that's kind of the balance we've been going back and forth with. We've we've had multiple discussions in the the front end development uh, Discord channel, and yeah, they they've gone back and forth quite a lot. So we we finally recently. And thought this this could be the fix. You know, we're gonna definitely do it this way. This makes it a lot easier on us too, and then we can show more for the user on the user interface. We can do a lot more as we don't have to worry about those includes. We don't have to worry about the YAML file at all, and them changing it within their files. And then we have to make sure and convert their changes and everything like that. So this just makes it a lot easier. It makes it better for the people who want the editor as we can we can show them a lot more things. We can show them errors just immediately without having to save it and then going through it on the back end and then sending it to the front end saying, okay, no, this was wrong. Do it again. Stuff like that. I mean, it just it's going to make it a lot better for the technical people and the non-technical people, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's that's fantastic. So I'll just give some uh, some quick facts while we're, we're talking about Lovelace. Lovelace is named after Ada Lovelace, who is an 18th century mathematician and the first historically documented computer programmer. And Lovelace was launched in Home Assistant 0.72 back in June 2018. So that's really cool. So it's only been, what, six months since Lovelace was the very first Lovelace was announced and now we're ready to switch over and, and go prime time. So there's been a lot of a lot of work put into Lovelace. Yeah, it's it's been basically a, a sprint uh, since I got on. Yeah. So I, I don't remember. It, it's been a few months 
since I started. But when whenever I did start, there was there was really no work being done on the front end of for Lovelace. Like it was it was basically just tumble. Like it was just uh, the desert there. So I once <laughs> once I looked at it, I was like, man, this is really cool. And I started looking, and I the first thing I did was I uh, was looking at Thomas Lovin's uh, custom cards and he has a ton of them so yeah and i was like oh i do i, I want to make my own custom one and i was like they don't have a they don't have a slider for images or they don't like for any even cards so i was like i want to make that and so i made this custom card that you're able to put in cards images whatever you want and then it can condense it into basically the size of one card so you can have multiple entities cards within the space of one card and that was the first thing that i did with uh with anything lovelace and Going back to that now, gee, that is not the best thing I've ever done in my career. But um, <laughs> it was it was definitely what got me jump started and it got me you know back in my JavaScript mindset. And then I started looking at the, the Discord and I saw that there was a front end channel, and so I I started looking and I was like, wow, I can just contribute straight to home system. I, I'd never done anything open source before, so it was kind of like a foreign concept to me almost. Yeah. But uh yeah, I I just I started there and I, I made the gauge card and <laughs> Paulus uh he uh he uh put me through the ringer on that card as I was not very experienced at that point. But uh from then I mean Thomas Lovin got on board. We have Ian uh who's on board and then Bram recently has just the past month man, Bram has gone He's he's the reason that we have the, the real editor today. He's doing the back end code and the front end code for a lot of it. So we wow. we kind of uh, I, I started the editor a little bit, kind of gave a proof of concept, and then man, he just he blew it up. He he went crazy, and that's the reason we have it so quickly, and we're able to do it before 1.0, uh, really. So it, it, it's been a it's been a really fun ride with uh, those guys, and everybody's doing tremendous work yeah it's just moved so quickly yeah that's awesome and and it it genuinely does feel like just you know last week we were talking about lovelace being you know the next new thing and we had uh, i believe we had paulus on and to talk about it and yeah here we are so yeah it's time flies that's right yeah paul his his view on what we can do and what he wants to do is man it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome just uh just the things that we have in the future and we have in our mind of what we want to do it's really going to be something else and i believe that home assistant is really going to be the the new like place to go for home control and stuff like that yeah no it, it, that makes sense yeah so also one of the best things about lovelace is you don't have to um you don't have to reload the front end or you don't have to reload the entire thing just to reload the front end right just exactly refresh and it's boom refreshed and you see your changes immediately which is really awesome and with the ui editor you hit save and it automatically does that refresh for you and as soon as you go back to the screen that change is already done you already see that on your screen and what is really awesome is you can actually see what you're doing as you do it so if you change an entity in the ui editor it automatically renders you a card that changes with that so you get to see your your changes in progress while you're while you're editing Oh, that's going to save a lot of time. That's cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because I mean, I I know I have done some YAML code and then go back. It's like, oh, no, that's not what I want it to look like. Don't go back and forth. I mean, this makes it a lot easier to get a good looking front end really quickly. Yeah, for sure. So so now that uh, now that it's 
going to be default is that it or is there stuff coming or you know what what can what can we expect in uh in the year coming forward and i think i think we're just going to be done honestly i think we're just going to stop developing um, but <laughs> <laughs> we've uh we've kind of like stopped feature request um while we were doing this we kind of we wanted to make sure we had lovelace at a a good state and then put the ui editor on top of that without changing anything for this for this new year we're going to start you know feature requests back adding adding new features adding um, new cards new new lovelace ui to make it look better uh, we've already had a lot of iterations of that and i think we're going to be at a pretty good state once it goes live in 8.4 but there's always better so that's that's a big thing is making that a lot better, adding different options on cards. Now that we have the editor, we can do that a lot easier because we can it, it it's easier to understand because we can put it in the the code the way we want to. Right. Other enhancements are making it more mobile friendly. So like the horizontal and vertical stacks, it's not a really good way to organize your cards at the moment. It's a way and it works, uh, but it is it is kind of difficult sometimes. So we're gonna. My plan there I, I, is to make that a lot more mobile friendly and able to uh, move your cards around in the way that you would like to and and stuff like that. I think is a is gonna be really cool. That's gonna be very tricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 kind of annoying right now, honestly. It, it to get you know <laughs> your three, you have to do a horizontal stack and then three vertical stacks. It, it, you can do it, but for a user in using the editor UI, it might yeah. not be the easiest. Another big one is the import and export feature. We don't have a finalized idea on this, but it what we what we thought is going to be pretty cool. It's so that you can sh- still share your Lovelace UI if you have the editor. We're going to have it where you can export the actual YAML code so that you can put it on, let's say, your GitHub. Or we're also thinking about having either a store, a Lovelace store, like the uh, Has.io add-on store, where you can Mm -hmm. import cards or import, you know, um, different configs. So if, say, the picture elements and you want to kind of copy that, we can we can pull that in without the entity IDs or anything like that. And then you can put in your own your own entities and, and kind of make it look like that, which I think is going to be really cool. It's not going to be in this next release, but, it, you know, future down the road, it's, it's going to be really, really awesome. So importing and exporting that kind of stuff. A lot of people love sharing Lovelace, like I see all the time. You know, here's my Lovelace UI on Reddit, or you know, uh, there'll be a, a retweet from someone that's done something cool in Lovelace, and everyone's like, "Oh, can you show me a YAML file to do that?" So having an export feature is probably going to be very important, I think, and an import as well. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what we wanted. We, we wanted to make sure that people could still do that because not everybody is as good as you know, designing the Lovelace as everybody else. Like whenever I came in, that's what I did. I, I started looking at everybody else's and how I could make it look like that. And then I was like, well, I can just, I can just make more cards. Why don't I just make it so other, the way I want it to? Sure. <laughs> yeah. I think that, I think it's a really good uh, way to learn how, what you can do with Lovelace and then, you know, make that your own and, and importing it to be able to do that we're going to make it so you can import whole views whole cards whole you know everything config you can you can basically import and export um, into github into whatever you want nice yeah that's that's important too right and 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 especially even from a backup perspective and such as well so that'll be yeah sometimes people might want to back up just that one component or whatever so that's great yeah yeah it's it should be a pretty good feature i think a lot of people are gonna gonna enjoy that and and uh appreciate it 
So what are some of your favorite custom cards that other that you've seen other people create that you've like, oh, I really like that? The main one is the animated weather card. It is by far the best card I think that's out there. <laughs> I mean, our, our current Lovelace weather card is... It gets the job done. It's it's there. It isn't animated or anything like that. So, but this is just pretty, and uh, I think it's created by Arsabu. I, I'm not I probably butchered <laughs> that, but um, uh, I he's he's a really cool guy in Discord. He's uh, but he that is a tremendous card. I use it in my uh, current config uh, for my production stage. But um, that and the card modder, the card modder, like you're able to do any kind of style that you want on the card that you place inside that uh thomas lovin did a great job on that and and he's iterated a few times to you know keep on updating and going through our our new ts conversions and lit html stuff like that make sure it works all the time but other favorite cards are really anything that thomas lovin does if you look him up on github he has a ton (laughs) and they are all good every single thing he puts out is useful it is good it's definitely good quality i mean like he, he does a really good job We'll add some links in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His stuff is his stuff is awesome. Yeah. What custom cards have you developed, if any? I think I think you mentioned earlier that you had uh, you'd done a couple, but I really all that I've done is the slider card that you could put in entities. I honestly, I I've not looked at it, and since I started core development, I I there might be issues. I have no idea. I kind of kind of just <laughs> left that on the stage. Bram. <laughs> Bram actually made a better one that's more like mobile friendly. So I just kind of like it's basically deprecated at this point. But I, I have created like a ton of the other but or the other cards in the core. A lot of them are from different custom cards that I got the idea from and looked over to make sure that we could align them so that you know people could still use them. But like the button card, mm-hmm. the gauge card, the alarm card, the thermostat card, the light card, um, I've all created uh with or without other GitHub repositories, uh, the other custom cards have been made for that. Just kind of conform them, conform them to our core, and uh, you know they don't have all the features, but they're easy to use. They do the job, and uh, everybody can use them because um, they're not as complicated as the custom cards. Other than that, it's it's been getting this editor ban. Uh, I, I didn't really do much custom stuff before I went straight to core, which I definitely, yeah, I, I really recommend all these, all these good developers are out there making custom cards, which is great. And you have a lot more freedom to make your own custom cards. But like, if you start adding to core, you can start adding it and everybody sees that not everybody sees all these custom cards and it's sometimes they're hard to find. Sometimes nobody knows about them until somebody finally sh- shares their YAML. And it's like, Oh, what is that? But like, if it's in Lovelace, it's always there, and and it'll be in our um, add a card automatically. So like once you click the plus button, it'll automatically you'll have a view of that card. So everybody's going to start using your card, and like the media card, the simple media card that some I think one of our developers who actually did put in the sensor card created, if he came forward and put that one into court, Everybody would love that, and I think I think a lot of those developers out there could get their cards into core. Maybe not with all the options. Maybe not with that. It it could definitely be uh, uh, converted. I think one of my favorite ones that started off as a custom card, and I think is now an official card, is the alarm control panel card. Yeah, yeah, I, that's the one that um, I think it was Cytosism 
or something like that. Sadalazm. I, I can't remember this guy's name. Ah, oh, man. But I, I, I did. I looked at his card, and I was like, yeah, I want that into the core because it, it's a very useful card. And we have it in the states as like the more info, but it's not a card. So I converted that one into uh, core and. Uh, from that guy and he actually gave me his blessing after after it was released was like you know good job like we definitely yeah. needed that so like it, it yeah a lot of those cards could definitely be um converted into our core and, and ever made available to everybody that's cool so so let me ask you this now so if uh if there is so let's say i make a card and uh and i want you know i want that to roll out to the masses uh for example how is is there a, first of all is there a process that I can say, hey, can I can I uh, you know bring this into the core, or or you know is that like a unofficial like tap somebody on their shoulder and be like, hey, what do you think of this? Um, you know, I think other people might like it, kind of thing. Yeah, a lot of people they'll make a custom card just to test the waters. Like I know, uh, I think Thomas put out his uh, long press as a card before he converted it into core, mm-hmm. which is completely fine and great. But I mean, just start a PR. We, I mean, there, there's tons of examples now with lit HTML, um, which is our new, a lot better way to making our front end. And there's, there's just, uh, there's a lot of support within our, our dev channel. If you want to put it into the dev channel of our Discord, the Home Assistant Discord, then we can, you yeah. know, discuss it, see if it's a good idea, see what features to bring with that card, or you can, you know, put it into Lovelace Discord, see what. You see what you get there, or go ahead and make the card into a custom card. See how people like it. Put it into Reddit. Uh, put it into the forums. Put it into the Discord. Um, show everybody the card. See what they think of it. Iterate on it, and then put it into Core. You know, we will mm-hmm. work with you to help you put it into what needs to be done to put it into Core. And well, you know, we have definitely a lot of examples and a lot of people now that can can support help with that conversion. Yeah, that's really cool. That's amazing. Cool. That's all we uh, really had for you. Is there anything else you want to mention? Um, I just kind of wanted to give a shout out to all the people that kind of uh, helped work on this. I mean, whenever I Definitely. whenever I started, it was you know Paulus really doing everything. Thomas jumped on board. Me and Thomas kind of jumped on board at the same time. Ian jumped on board. Bram jumped on board. We've had a few other people do some do some stuff. But it, it's kind of like we all work together to get this done. We, we've done it. We've done it really quickly, and I think that we, you know, with all these discussions that we've had, we've kind of really gotten a uh, a good viewpoint of what we want Lovelace to be, where it is now, and everything like that. And I just, it's kind of awesome to see everybody come together and and create this awesome thing that we have. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think you know you guys have. It's very risky to change a user interface because this is going to affect you know all users of Home Assistant, and I think everyone's taken the time to do it properly, make sure it's you know you're actually getting an improvement when you do this. Yeah, so I think all you guys mm-hmm. have done an amazing work, and yeah, congratulations to everyone involved. Yeah, huge shout out to, to the entire team. So thank you guys, and thank you as well. Yeah, I mean it's been fun. I. I everybody does it out of you know fun nobody nobody on the front end other than paulus is really getting you know paid from it so it, it, it's all we we love doing this stuff and it's just everybody came together and, and put it together and not everybody's gonna love all the changes immediately but it, it will as you said everybody it, it is a good thing that we did these changes and people maybe not see that but um overall it's it's gonna be great 
Yeah, agreed. All right, Zach. Well, thank you very much for joining us and congratulations once again on the, the Lovelace release. I'm sure you're going to have a, a happy holidays knowing that it's finally out there and, and people are enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely drink to that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys, uh, thank you, thank you for having me on. I love talking about Lovelace, so it, it has been, uh, it has been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much. Oh, thanks for jumping on. All right, cheers, guys. Special thanks to our guest this week, Zach Arnett. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rowan Caramandi. For links to topics that we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.